Hi, I'm Kendra Corman, the host of Imperfect Marketing. If you're a solopreneur, small business owner, or a marketer, you know marketing is far from a perfect science. And that's why this podcast is called Imperfect Marketing. Here you will hear from marketing experts and successful business owners about their marketing tips and, of course, their lessons learned along the way. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Imperfect Marketing. I'm your host, Kendra Corman, and today I have Allison Verhalen. She is a content marketer, SEO strategist, and author who loves telling your story and coming up with a strategy to get it in front of your ideal clients so that you can make magic together. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm super excited to have you here because I am a humongous fan of content marketing. I have chosen uh, podcasts as my preferred method of of content creation, but I used to be a blogger mostly because I'm a pretty good writer. So I really liked that. Can you tell me a little bit about why people should be blogging for their business? Yeah, well... So many reasons. <laughs> it's like, where to begin? First of all, SEO, uh, which for those of you who don't know, stands for search engine optimization. I like to talk about it as making Google your friend so that Google will show you to the people who are looking for you. And Google looks at the content on your website, not just the keywords and everything. Those are important too, but also how much content is there, how much of it is relevant to one thing versus another thing, as well as how up to date is it. Google assumes that the more recent content is more relevant because we live in a world that's constantly changing. And so, of course, the older stuff, it can be still relevant, uh, but it is more likely that the newer stuff is going to be more relevant. So from an SEO perspective, blogging is absolutely essential, as well as, you know, the real life people who find your website, a lot of the time they're going to go straight to your blog to figure out to a, make sure you actually know what you're talking about, as well as to get a little more information on what it is that you do, the value you provide to your clients, why they should want to work with you, especially if you're in a B2B industry or professional services. On average, people are going to go through, um, I think the, the average is like five to seven pieces of content before making a buying decision. And they go straight to your blog for that. Um, it's also a great way to educate your clients because we all get those people who think they know everything about what we do. And we, we have to sit them down and go, no, actually, that's not how it works. If they read your blog first, they're already educated and pre-qualified. So you don't have to deal with those conversations. And if you do have to deal with those conversations, you can say, um, actually, here's a whole article that I wrote about this. You can check that over on my blog. Here's the link. It makes it super quick and easy for both of you. So those are some of the biggest reasons people should be blocking for their businesses. I love them. And I love the education reason. Uh, you know, again, yes, of course, SEO being found really important, but also being able to provide value with, for your audience. That, that, that ups the no like and trust factor because they're able to see what you have to share about it and you doing that with them in a free manner where they can help themselves digest the content and figure out where they want to go next. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And now you've set yourself up as the thought leader in the industry. So they come to you for advice and they're more likely to ask you questions about your job instead of telling you about your job because they have all these assumptions that they've gotten from elsewhere. Who who only knows where that they got these these ideas and assumptions that turn out to be completely false. So let me ask you a question. So I always tell people that there's really two schools of content um, of blog writing, really, um, is is what I've told people in the past. And you're totally welcome to disagree with me because I'm totally good with that. Um, one is the Brian Dean of Backlinko, and I think he's now SEM Rush, some Rush. Um, but Brian Dean of creating really huge, long pieces that take time not super frequent releases, but regular, we'll say quarterly, twice a year type things. But it's content that sets the bar for that topic, whatever that happens to be. And then there's the get out something every week. And again, it can be every other week type thing, but much more um, regular content that is maybe not quite as thorough as what Brian Dean um, has blogged about in the past through Backlinko. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I I actually like a mix of those two approaches. I do think it's good to at least once in a while have, we call those the ultimate guide style posts that are yeah really long, really in depth, cover everything there is to cover. Yes, absolutely create those it is hard, if not impossible, to create those on a weekly <laughs> or even bi-weekly basis. So I am a, a fan of sometimes you cover a topic that's a little bit shorter and you you only go 500, 1,000 words on that one. Um, I, I do think you need to be blogging at least once a month, preferably twice a month, just to, again, gain Google's trust, keep Google's trust, make sure that the people who come to your website are not like, what, they haven't blogged in however however long in, in months, right? That doesn't do a lot to build credibility. So I, I, I do recommend blogging again, at least once, preferably twice a month. Um, but mix it up, have some of those shorter posts. And then yeah, it, you, you do want some of those, those really long in-depth posts. Cause again, Google loves those. Um, and that is a great way to, again, establish yourself as a thought leader in your industry. Okay. Thank you. So let's talk about the best blogging platform to use. What do you recommend? I love WordPress. It is certainly one of the only ones, if not the only one where you actually own your content. Um, some of the others like Wix and Squarespace, uh, you, you don't actually own it. Like, yes, it's super easy, but you can't just... <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. I have to interrupt for a second. Okay. Yes. Listen closely, everybody. <laughs> you do not own your content on Squarespace and Wix. You can't take it someplace else. Yes, it, you wrote it. So you get a copyright, all that fun stuff, but you don't own it. You can't move it other places. You have to continue to pay Wix and Squarespace to keep that going. So sorry. I just needed to reiterate that because it's really, really important. And I have that conversation with people on a regular basis. Yeah. And I, I think people go for ease over owning your content, which I get it. We're all trying to do a million things as business owners. It's super tempting to go the easy route. And there is value to that. But you spend so much time and effort creating your content or so much money hiring someone like me to create it for you. You got to make sure you own that content, which means, yeah, having it on a 
WordPress website so that you own it. Um, I know some of the other popular platforms are like Medium. Some people just publish it, push it out on social media, and they call that their blog, and that's not a blog. Um, Again, Medium can be a great way to get in front of people. I always recommend using social media to distribute your content. But again, don't publish your content there because, again, you don't own it. Um, and we don't know what the, his, the the future of that social media platform holds. If they change their algorithm, if they get bought out by a crazy billionaire, and suddenly it's a totally different platform from what it was, right? Now and you, now it's X. Yes. <laughs> now you have you have no way to get that content back. So always, always own your content and have a few different social media channels where you can distribute it. So. Yes, I love that. I always tell people social media is rented land. You own email marketing. That goes the same with a lot of these other sites. You don't own LinkedIn. So if you're doing LinkedIn articles, it's a great place to post articles depending on where your target audience is, but you don't own that. They could take it down at any time. They they don't have to show it to their audience. There's a million and a half ways to to really make sure that you own your content. And WordPress websites are not that expensive. They're really not. You can get them built really inexpensively. Mm -hmm. Well, and they have a lot of uh, themes that are either, that are customizable, easy to use. Um, I know I work in SEO, but I don't actually consider myself a tech savvy person. I might have to stop saying that because of all the techie things I do now. Um, but I was, again, afraid of WordPress for a while because it, I heard that it was more for the people who wanted to do stuff on the back end. But WordPress makes it really easy for you to cut and paste and add plugins that do whatever you want and just don't go overboard on the plugins because that can get you into problems. Um, yes. <laughs> Preaching to the choir here. I think I'm like, I was just look, I was just updating my plugins this morning and I was like, crap, I sort of need to look and see. If I'm using all of these still, and I yeah. might need to like yeah, take one apart. Sometimes you got to call the herd a little bit. <laughs> the plugins are so much fun though. Um, okay. So, if you actually use them all. <laughs> now, when it comes to search engine optimization, I think a lot of people struggle with keywords, identifying keywords. Um, I've found a few sites and people that I've worked with, they've identified, they've um, basically optimized their entire site for one keyword um, or two keywords. And I'm like, no, you're confusing <laughs> Google. Um, so what advice do you have for people looking to make friends with Google and on keywords and identifying them and how many they should have? Yeah, I don't think there's one answer as to how many you should have. Um, I do absolutely recommend having one main um, keyword for your website as well as for each piece of content you create. So every time I write a blog post, it's okay, what's the, the target keyword is the, the one keyword or phrase that I'm most heavily targeting. But yeah, then there's supporting and related keywords that are also sprinkled throughout the content. So it's never going to be just the one keyword or phrase. How can I narrow this down into a few minutes? Um, first and foremost, yeah, get a good keyword research tool. I use SERPstat. That is my favorite. Uh, it's pretty affordable. Um, make sure that you've got something with a decent search volume. I, I mean, we all love the thousands of searches per month words. Those are few and far between. 
but at, at least 100, 200 searches per month. Um, and again, when you get that number, that is an average search volume. So you might want to do a little more digging into, is this something that is more popular sometimes of the year than other times of the year? Does it make sense to write it now? Or should I write this piece later? Um, or is it a trending topic? It, like I, we were talking before we started recording about AI, right? No one was talking about AI a year. Well, not no one. A few people were talking about it a year ago. And then in November, it was like everyone was talking about AI all the time, right? So suddenly it's a huge topic that everyone is talking about. So how many people are searching for it changes as well as how many people are already using that keyword is the other thing you have to look at. Sometimes you got to go for a little bit of a lower search volume in order to get a keyword that um, is not super competitive because if everyone else out there is already using that keyword, you don't have a chance of ranking. So you, you, you're you better off going for something that um, has maybe maybe has a lower search volume, but also is is slightly less competitive. There's not as much content out there using that keyword. And then the other thing is long tail versus short tail keywords. Short tails are one or two word keywords or phrases. Um, once you get into the like three to five word long search terms, those are what we call long tail keywords. Those, again, tend to have a lower search volume, but A, they are less competitive. And B, people using those long tail search keywords are usually looking for something super specific. So it's usually later in the buyer journey. Um, so they're, they're going to be more likely to convert, which is another thing. Think about where people are in the buyer journey when they're using each keyword. Are they, is it an informational keyword? Are they just trying to figure out what this is or are they shopping? Are they ready to buy or getting ready to buy? Because that will help you determine A, your call to action for the piece, but it will also help you determine, is this a good keyword for a blog post or for a sales page? Well, and I think it's also really important. One thing that you pointed out is what they're using. Yes. So I run into a ton of people. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the insurance industry and the insurance industry loves to use technical terms. Their yeah. insureds do not. Yeah. Their insureds are looking for house insurance, not homeowners insurance. Um, you know, they're looking for car insurance, not necessarily home and auto, you know. So you really want to think about the words that your target is using and the phrases that they're searching for when you're optimizing and selecting keywords, because you want to use the words that they use, not the words you use. Absolutely. Yeah. I write for a lot of attorneys and sometimes they have strong feelings about using the word attorney versus lawyer. So my backup is always to go straight to the keyword research tool and go, are people looking for attorney or are they looking for a lawyer? Um, Cause you gotta, you gotta have that data to back it up. It can't just be like, well, I like this term more. It's like, well, good for you. That's not what people are searching. Exactly. If you're okay with it just being for you, it's fine. Yeah, it can be there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So no, so I love that. Again, I think you really want to understand your audience, what they're searching for, and then go from there. If you don't know what they're searching for, and you know, you're not super clear on it, again, I'll tell you what I tell everybody is talk to them. Talk to your target audience and ask them questions. I was working on a product for content marketing. And I was asking people, what do you call it? Well, once I started using the word content marketing, they're like, oh, I can't think of another word for it. Well, none of my target was using the term content marketing because they didn't really know what that was. They were using words like blog 
podcast, you know, things like that, the actual content itself, rather than an overarching umbrella. They really didn't know and were not never typing in content marketing. So that's the other thing to keep in mind too is um so the the keyword research tool can tell you what some people are searching that's not necessarily going to be what your specific audience is searching so um, as much as i love my keyword research tool and i use it all the time there is no replacement for yeah just talking to your clients and your ideal prospects um find out the words that they're using to describe what you do because that's what they're going to use to look for you yeah it's huge it's probably the most important thing you can do. Mm -hmm. So what should people be blogging about? Because I think one of the biggest objections that I hear to blogging, well, there's there's two I hear regularly. Well, actually, I should say three. So one is I'm not a good writer, which I love. And I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Mm -hmm. um, the second one is that they don't know what to blog about or to write about. And then the third one is is that they've been working on a blog for six weeks. Six weeks is not enough time. Let me start there. It takes at least a month or two just for Google to go through and, and categorize and index all your content and get an idea of what you're all about. Um, so give it time, A, for Google to get an idea of what you're doing, as well as to build an audience. Um, and again, yes, blogging is great. Don't use it by itself. Use it in conjunction with social media, with SEO best practices, um, with your email marketing, build your email list so that you have a list of people who, again, every week, every other week, every month, however often it is, are regularly getting updates to your blog. So they are, they are getting those updates, they're reading those blog posts. Um, as far as not a good writer, yeah, um, I think, Gosh, someone had a really great, I, I was talking to earlier this year, had a really great term about um, how we're all like, they expect you to write in a very specific way. Um, and if you don't write in that way, you, you don't get a good grade. Um, and that, that is, don't write an English essay for your blog posts. That is not, that's not what people want to read. Even English teachers don't want to read it. They just make you write it because they think they have to. So first of all, Chuck everything you learned in English class out the window about writing. People now want very conversational content. They want to make it sound like you're talking to them. So talk to them. Um, for people who say they hate writing, most of us can talk about what we do all day long. So talk about it. Have a podcast. Go on someone else's podcast. Have someone ask you some questions and talk about it. Take that audio file and transcribe it. And you're going to need to clean it up. Um, so yeah, clean it up, put it up on your, your blog at, as a blog post, and it's going to be great. Um, not knowing what to blog about. I mean, we were just talking about knowing who your target audience is and what matters to them and what keywords they are using, what phrases they are using. So every part of your marketing should be centered on your ideal customer. What is it that they are looking for? What questions are they asking? How can you help them? Um, your content first and foremost needs to provide value and to help them so that, again, that's how you're going to position yourself as a thought leader in your industry and build that trust and that credibility so that when they are ready to buy, they'll know to buy from you because you helped them. I think I yeah, value is at the core of all of it, right? Yes. You want to be providing value. So and then I usually tell people to start with questions. What are questions that people are asking you? 
What are your clients asking you? What do you wish their clients were asking you? Start there and answer those questions. I mean, there's an unending list of questions that you're probably asked on a daily basis. Start with those. So let's talk about, this is one of my favorite parts about it, is the blog post goes live. All of our hard work is there and it is now on the internet for everybody to find. Now what do we do? Distribute it. Um, Because again, publishing it is not the end. I know it's a lot of work to write and create and publish that that blog post and people go, ta-da, I'm done. You're not done. Again, Google will eventually categorize it and scan it and figure out what it's all about and hopefully give you a boost there. Um, but help Google help you. <laughs> and you can do that by, yeah, putting it out on social media, letting doing all the social media things. I'm not really a social media strategist. So talk to someone who is for that aspect of your marketing. I like to say I know just enough about social media to be dangerous. Um, But yeah, put it out on social media, let people know that it exists. Um, Put it out in your newsletter, do all the things you need to do to build your your email list so that people are actually getting it. Um, Yeah, put it put it out into the world. It is it is not enough to just and again, share it in in real conversations. If you're emailing prospects back and forth and they don't understand something or they have objections, if you've got that blog post in your back pocket, you can say, oh, actually, um, I wrote something about this. So you might want to go check that out. That's over here, Um, which is the other great thing about having those again, owning that content. You never know when a social media um, platform or medium is going to delete your content just because they feel like it or because they thought that you did something that you didn't do or you broke the rules without realizing it, right? You you have no control. Or someone hacked into your profile and broke the rules for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can talk about keeping your website safe too. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, if it's on your blog, it's super easy to find. So and, and use again and again and again. So but don't be afraid. And I love that. One of the things I really like about that, and I'll, I'll use it to liken to podcasts, is I know a lot of podcast people that have playlists. Mm-hmm. You can basically create a blog playlist, for lack of a better term for it, right? A list of blogs that are relevant to a certain topic. You can drive people to category pages. You can really let them get as in-depth on a topic as they want, and you can leverage it in your, you know, you can do a year in review your top five um, blogs on this or, you know, hey, getting ready for 2024 planning. Do, you know, check out my blogs on how to get ready for the new year or whatever it happens to be. You can actually give them links to more than one at a time so that they can dive deeper too, And having deep content really helps you with Google too, right? Yes. And you mentioned categories. You can also have categories on your blog so that people who are looking for something, maybe not super specific, but they know the general category they're they're looking for, having that category and making it super easy to find that on your blog makes it, A, helps, again, that Google likes that too. So that's going to boost your SEO and it's also going to make it easier for people who are on your website to navigate it and get the information they want. Fantastic. 
Thank you so much, Allison, for joining me and spending time to talk about blogging because I am a big fan of content generation. Before I let you go, though, as you and I both know, marketing is anything but a perfect science. And I'm sure all my listeners have figured that out by now because I ask this question of all of my guests. Since we're on the show called Imperfect Marketing, what has been your biggest marketing lesson learned? Um, a to not be afraid of the technology. Like I said, I uh, if if you had told me when I started, because I did get started in this through the writing side and loving writing, and got an opportunity to write blog posts, and I was like, "What? I can get paid to write? Seriously? Yeah, sign me up." Um, if you had told me then that I would need to learn SEO in order to pursue this, I would have been too intimidated to even try. Um, fortunately, tried anyway. Ignorance really is bliss sometimes or into SEO. The more I did blogging professionally, the more I learned that you really can't do it without SEO and vice versa. Um, so it, for me, it started with keywords, doing a little bit of keyword research and finding out what people were and were not searching for or searching for one word more than another. And I was fascinated. I actually thought it was really cool. So now, I mean, who would have thought that now it would be one of my favorite parts of my job? So don't be afraid to to do that research and to try those new things, even if you think it's not in your wheelhouse. And progress is always better than perfection. Yes. Get the content out there. You can edit it later. That's right? the beauty of the internet. I mean, people say stuff never dies on the internet. A, yeah, it dies all the time. But B, you can go back and change it and you know, up, re-upload it, update it, republish it, whatever. It's 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 never the final word. Well, thank you again so much for your time, Allison. I appreciate all that you shared about blogging. I hope that everybody listening, learn or watching on YouTube uh, got something out of of what Allison shared. And if you did, I would love it if you would rate and subscribe wherever you are listening or watching. That always helps me out too. If you want to connect with Allison, we'll have a link to her website in the show notes, but you can visit that at AV Writing Service services.com, learn a little bit more about her and the services that she offers. So if it's something that you're not interested in pursuing and would like to outsource, Allison would be a great person to chat with to learn more about. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I totally appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Imperfect Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and visit KendraCorman.com slash Imperfect Marketing to view the show notes of all my podcast episodes. See you next week. Same time, same place.